Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Tuesday, February 7th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it, and use it as often as you'd like. Absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you choose to tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app It contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It also contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we hope people do all of that soon and often because it primarily improves the quality of people's lives the more they apply these tools in their lives. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. If you have any of those to share with us, please give us a call. The call-in number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, it'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll see that, turn on the microphone, and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. Or if you prefer, you can send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. 
That's tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email Jeannie at j-e-a-n-i-e at whyagain.org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n dot o-r-g. And if you send us an email, we'll uh, address your comment or question or testimonial on the show. And then, as time allows, send you a notification about when and what day that was aired. And then you can go back and listen to the uh, feedback. So we appreciate when people do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. And the intention we have with this work is to be of service. So if you let us know how we can be of service, we appreciate that. We've been making the commitment this year to make space for at least one worksheet per show. Offer that to people. If then we don't have any takers, I will frequently do a worksheet of my own just to demonstrate the process and uh, I think it's uh, um, I was thinking about it the other day one of the things I think it does is it it, uh, helps people address hesitancy or fear they might have about the process Um, kind of to normalize it to um, to just uh yeah, I guess the normalize it phrase is to make it common, to make it um, as as common as taking a nice deep breath or getting calm and centered or doing some EFT tapping, if that's a, a practice you like to do. And the doing the worksheet doesn't need to be uh, much longer than um, an EFT tapping session or a few deep breaths and calm centering. And yet, the benefits that I've experienced from the use of this tool over the last 18, pushing 19 years now is um, uh, it really would be hard to overstate the benefit. Um, And the overview is that the first three steps of the worksheet are something I use to spell out what I'm doing with my conscious logical mind to create my experience of life in the moment And any time I'm creating an experience of life that's less than loving, I might be motivated to pick up a worksheet. And then in the fourth step, I reconnect to this conscious awareness of my true nature as love. And in the fifth step, I cancel all of that that my conscious logical mind is doing. And I ask to be shown something else. I I put my conscious logical mind on the shelf and open up to inspiration, insight, intuition, guidance from some source outside of my conscious logical mind and then I watch what occurs in my memories and my thoughts and my energies and I make note of it and that's that's as simple as as the process gets and then to close it off I just make notes about what got stirred up and then instead of the the goal focused on the outside events or another person that my mind was telling me needed to happen in the beginning of the worksheet I formulate a goal, a loving goal for myself that I can offer to the object of my attention, the world at large, and then I take an action on that goal, and that's the end of the worksheet process. So I had a situation come up yesterday where I was in a session, and I was feeling 
So I'm going to put I, Tim, who am love. I'm in the app on the current seven-step wake-up sheet, so this would be the full version. I'm experiencing the emotion B of um, stuck or frustrated. And I, I experience as though those two are together, so I just put both words there. And this worksheet says, use a separate worksheet for each emotion. Hostility and fear are from internal corrupt data, and they indicate my mind's use of sustained incoherence. Now, that's a term from David Bohm, which means I create a problem with my thoughts, and then I decide I'm going to think my way out of the problem, and it just doesn't work. The worksheet says, my denial causes my carbon-based memory, which is just the brain in my head, to displace my experience of myself as my essence, love, and it tells me the lie that my emotions are caused by my trigger. So my story is that my patient, and I will not use a name, but I will put the phrase, my patient was very stuck and agitated. So I'm typing in the words very stuck and agitated. And then the worksheet reminds me to breathe and soften and reminds me that if they're the one with the problem, why am I the one with the pain? And the number one D in this worksheet says, the truth is my thoughts cause my emotional upset and only my thoughts cause my emotional upset. So I take a nice, slow, deep breath. And then I specify the thoughts. Use a separate wake-up sheet for each thought. And the thought I'm using to create feeling stuck and frustrated in this worksheet is, I should have an answer. And there is no intention to uh, punish the patient, so I leave that blank. And I punish myself with negative thoughts, negative judgment against myself. So then the worksheet prompts me to take a breath and release myself, the emotion of feeling stuck and frustrated, the trigger, which is my patient, the thought that my patient is very stuck and agitated, the thought that I should have an answer, the punishment thought for the patient, which is nothing, and my punishment thought for myself. And then I cancel my need to be right, and I cancel my need to make up another story out of these experiences in my mind to hallucinate proof that my fear-hostility-based story, that my reality is true. I hit next on the app, and it takes me to step two, where it asks me to choose to love or honor the energy of truth and to choose to be willing to face and process out all of the dis-ease-producing energies for and from all of my relations and generations. And then with another calming breath, it asks me to be willing to face the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing. And then... Um, 
step three asks me to specify my desire, the constru constructive result, the exact goal that drives my pain perception. And my desire is I want my patient... Uh, it's not... Um, taking it here. I want my patient... to heal and move forward. And then I hit next, it takes me to step four. And step four, it asks me to choose my essence, which is love. And when I focus on my essence, which is love, it stirs the love in everyone involved. And this, the app reminds me of the rose and the butterfly story where the rose and the butterfly fall madly in love and they're having a great life until one day the butterfly, true to its nature, picks up and flies away. And the rose, mistaking the love of the butterfly as being more important than its true nature, it uproots itself to chase after the butterfly and it dies. And it dies simply because it made something more important than staying consciously connected to its true nature. That's what I do every time I choose to focus on thoughts that generate frustration and stuck feelings like this worksheet. So in this worksheet, I do a little meditation and I breathe and I focus on some of the most loving, safe, happy, strong, peaceful memories from my recent or distant past. And that's fairly easy for me to do and I breathe into that until I feel that energy rolling in my heart space. And then I hit next. Next is step five. Step five says, step A, when I, I'm upset, my perception's built out of corrupt data. And the thing that drives my mind to use that particular data is my goal, in this case, for my patient and I, for my patient to heal and move forward. And this perception is built out of a limiting picture constructed from a max of nine bits of data during the period of time 10,000 brain cells are firing. So by canceling my goal, my replicate mind's reality collapses and gives me direct contact with the denied and dissociated parts of my carbon-based memory. And that denied and dissociated part of my carbon-based memory is always projecting and blaming others for its content. So I'm going to choose to keep love conscious, active, and present I'm going to choose to collapse my mind's lies by willingly canceling my goal for my patient to heal and move forward. And I'm going to invite Ruka to incline me toward healing, to restore me to my awareness of my true essence as love, my newborn essence as love, to heal my denial and to heal my capacity to generate feeling stuck and frustrated and to help me open a direct conscious relationship with and to gently remove the denied, dissociated, and projected parts of my carbon-based memory. And I put my hand over my heart space and I do my little meditation in which I remind myself that I'm canceling my need to be right I'm canceling my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. 
I'm specifically canceling my goal in this worksheet for my patient to heal and move forward. And I'm asking to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this feeling of being stuck and frustrated. And I breathe and I soften. I put my conscious logical mind on the shelf for now. And I repeat, I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. I specifically cancel my goal in this worksheet. And I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this upset. And I flash on a couple things related to my sister. And so I breathe and soften. And I'm going to say I'm feeling a little bit more calm and about the situation above, I'm going to say that I see that it resonates how I felt as a child. when I couldn't help my sister. So there's a story behind that. I'll talk about that in a minute, but I'm just writing when I couldn't help my sister, so I'll know what that's about. And then 6C says, I asked to be shown a time when I have not fulfilled the goal of healing and moving forward, and I breathe and soften into that, and I'm putting some initials there, and then step seven. Step seven says, a principle of the universe is that by giving, I first get the original. So I'm grateful for this opportunity to heal, And I'm going to choose truth with a capital T. I'm going to choose perfect love. And I'm going to set the loving goal to do two more worksheets. On my situation with my sister. And then it asks me to commit to love, to living a human life. And then it asks me to place the initials of and cancel the goal for anyone in my life that's never fulfilled the goal of healing and moving forward. So I ask to be shown any time when I have refused to move past or to give up the goal for somebody to heal and move forward. And that got a lot of sadness in it. So I would say I'm at about a level five sadness after canceling that goal. And I breathe and soften. And I say it's a successful worksheet. 
and I'm working to try and send that to myself so I can print it for later, and it doesn't seem to want to do that. So there's a glitch in my phone here. So we have time for comments and questions, 563-999-3581. Area code 541, you're in the air, I hope. Who do we have? Yes, this is Celinda. Uh, <laughs> Welcome. Welcome, Celinda. What can we do for you today? And, um, when you were doing your worksheet, um, you mentioned in the very beginning of it somewhere about uh, my emotions, and then I thought you said something like about my physical whatever. Um, that was before the sentence later when it talks about healing from the physical, mental, and emotional disease in myself and I was just wondering I've one of the things I realized is I don't recognize body language my body language and I don't usually pick up on other people's body language either um, I just feel it more from a, a sensation within myself that something's not right you know kind of like a confused energy so I was thinking I would like to add for me the emotion that I'm feeling, but also the physical sensation or discomfort that I'm feeling uh, right in the well, same spot. Feel free spot. to do that. Feel free because, to do that. Uh, I seem to be oversensitive in my emotions, but totally have shut myself off from my body knowing, um, you know, consciously being aware of what my body, how my body is reacting. So um, that's good. Um, just wanted a, a little bit of uh, encouragement there that that would be appropriate. So I appreciate that. And also I woke up with an insight this morning that I would love to share with you uh, and the radio show listeners. Okay. Um, yesterday I I was talking about my grief and my um, guilt. I remember I said I'd boil things down to the grief and the guilt. And this morning when I woke up, I just had this awareness that there was something behind the grief and the guilt, and that was distrust, that I have spent my whole life distrusting the outer world. Uh, I think that's why I withdrew my visual and emotional, um, I, I withdrew, uh, shut down. When I'm in uh, hyper stress, I shut down in all aspects of myself, my visual aspect, my communication aspect, my understanding, my hearing, everything. My whole brain just seems to freeze me up. And um, and part of that is not recognizing my body signals because I not only shut myself down from out there but from in here. Well, if you're, and if so you're I, interested in working on that, I have a suggestion. Yes. Are you interested in working on that? Yes. The suggestion would be to do a mind shifter and give yourself 
at least an hour, if not two, to write on so a line shifter. Let me get the paper open here. Okay. A mind shifter that would be designed to take you out of all of this spinning in thought. Perfect. And the mind shifter might say something like, it's safe and healing for me to stay wide open and completely conscious. Just one moment. Stay wide open and what conscious? And completely and completely conscious. Okay. All right. Of everything that frightens me. So can you give me your perception of what it means to be completely conscious? No. That would be part of what you would write about. No, 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 no. That you don't go looking that up. You just start writing. About what that means. This is to get you out of the part of your mind that wants to go research what somebody else said about it or what it might mean at an intellectual level. Your growth is not going to happen at the intellectual level. This worksheet is not about an intellectual process. This worksheet has me spell out my intellectual process in the first three steps and then cancel it all and step into some kind of willingness to be wide open to something other than what my conscious logical mind can conjure up. So this is intended to break you out of the constant word salad and analysis that you're stuck in. So on the willingness to be wide open to that's where I uh, kind of went blank on the willingness to be wide open to learning from other sources. I'm not sure what you mean. Okay, <laughs> then just start writing about that. I'm not sure what any of this means. I don't know oh, what good. these words mean. <laughs> That's what you would be writing on the right side of your mind shifter page. I went unconscious. Dr. Tim was speaking English, and my mind heard it as gobbledygook. So in that process, if you write those things down, you've already begun your mind shifter. 
and it's critically important to write down, not just think about that pattern of thoughts. So this brings me back, Dr. Kim, to the fact that I seem to go down the rabbit hole when I get to the worksheet. Is that because I am so intellectual I get stuck in my intellectual mind? Or is that to... No, no, I don't think it's about your being so intellectual. I think it's about, like all the rest of us, you know, I have this... uh, bottom line observations list that I share with patients in a first or second session. And number five on that observation list says, my greatest strengths will at times be my greatest weaknesses, my greatest assets at times, my greatest liabilities. That's just observation number five. I give this list of ten things to every patient. Every patient I see in the first or second session gets this. Do you understand why I'm emphasizing that and repeating it? You, Celinda. Hello. Hello, Celinda. Are we there? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> Earth to Celinda. To do, do, you, my, do you get this? <laughs> doing my best to stay out of my intellectual brain. <laughs> okay, here's why I'm saying this. Because this is something I give to everyone. This is not about Celinda. But Celinda might find something useful in it. So, Celinda has a tendency to use whatever she can to run and hide from things she's afraid of. So, she might use depression, she might use anger, she might use drugs and alcohol, she might use blaming others, she might use intellectual confusion and distancing. We don't know, but she'll use whatever she needs because that's what we all do. When something comes up in our minds that seems to be too intense, that we have labeled as too scary or too fearful, we find a way to block the ability to work with it or to distance ourselves from it. So I don't know what you're using. I don't know the benefit to you. I just had this hit when you started once again with all of these thoughts about things rather than just doing a worksheet. or So my thought was, do the mind shifter on staying with and being fully aware of whatever goes on in you whenever there's something that you're afraid of. And so if you're like most of us, You'll use one of your strongest assets. In this case, it'll be your brain power, your logical mind, etc., to try and protect you from something that the fearful part of your mind has labeled as too much. There is nothing that's too much for you to face in your mind. There's nothing that you've already lived through that's too much for you to see. Guy Finley says it this way. He says, there is no such thing as bad self-knowledge. At another lecture, he says, there is no such thing as a bad fact about you that you're going to discover. When you do a worksheet or you do a a targeted journaling that Michael calls the mind shifter tool, you're not going to discover something about yourself that's bad for you to know. It can't happen. Everything that you've already experienced in your life, you've already lived through. You've handled it. You've labeled it. You've survived it. 
you've labeled it as something that's you know useful and you kept it there for ready access or you've labeled it as something that's too dangerous for you to be aware of and you've hidden it away from yourself but you've handled it in spades yet some point in your life when you handled it you labeled it as something that was too much for you to handle and so now you're using mind energy to hide it from yourself at a conscious logical level there's a silliness in that we all have that silliness it's a part of this goofiness of the dream of separation it's a part of the silliness of this thing that we generate that, that one of the words we have for it is fear there is nothing to be afraid of as a spiritual being as a human being So, if you are willing to step into this exercise, don't talk about it, don't rationalize it with people, write that sentence down on the left side of the piece of paper, give yourself you know, eight or ten blank sheets of paper and an hour or two to write, and just write it, and then let yourself respond to it. Even if what you're writing on the, left, on the right side of the sheet of paper is, I don't get it, this doesn't make any sense. I'm angry at Dr. Tim because he wouldn't answer my question. I think he's picking on me. It doesn't matter. Just put that out there. <laughs> Just keep writing. Just keep writing for the uh, chosen period of time. In, in this case, because of the intensity of this pattern within you, I would say at least two hours. And it doesn't have to be all in one setting, but I would I would dedicate at least two hours to writing on this because this will be you know one of those 77 times 70 worksheet issues for you this is um, exactly what I needed to hear <laughs> all right is there anything else we can support you with other no, than creating the space for you to go do that? No. Now it's time for me to go create that space and solitude and silence and quiet. <clears throat> go within. Um, no, you answered in spades exactly what I needed to hear. And uh, All right. it helped me out greatly. Right. And thank I, you. I hope that 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 yields um, insights and movement for you, and I look forward to uh, getting an update as you see fit to share. Oh, definitely, because what you said is basically what my husband has been telling me all along, but his wording was different, so different than where I was coming from that I couldn't hear him. And so, yay, maybe my hearing will improve too. And my vision. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. You're you're welcome. Blessings. Blessings. So we've got about 24 minutes left. Five six three nine 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 three five eight one. Comments, questions about the worksheet process I already did, or about the mind shifter that we just gave to Solinda or about the dynamic that she's trying to uncover. Um, 
the thing that I tapped into in the worksheet that I just finished when I had a patient in my office yesterday that was very stuck and agitated. And when I set the goal for that patient to um, heal and move forward, the first thing I saw when I breathed and softened and canceled that goal was an image of my younger sister who is three years younger than me. So I was probably three and a half years old when she was born. And I remember distinctly that they brought her home from the hospital after a delay because she had some health issues and they wouldn't let us hold her, hug her, get close to her. She was at the end of the hall in the bedroom locked away with my mom and you know, at the time the assessment was that she had, uh, I don't know whether it was a compromised immune system or allergies or both. And so um, I remember feeling, having the thought at about, you know, three or four years old, they should let us hold her and hug her because our love will heal her. And I've done, I've I've run into this memory before. I've run into that uh, set of negative emotions that I generate when I remember that they would not let us get close to her and hug her and love her and have everything be fine. So that was the memory that came up, and that's part of what the target will be for the next worksheets that were specified at the end of that worksheet. And as you may or may not imagine, that the idea of you know, having been engaged in the process of doing therapy for 48 and a half years now, this is not the first time I've been with a patient who was stuck and agitated and I have felt the discomfort or the negative emotions around not being able to, you know, um, kiss it and make it better, right? Just kind of wave the magic wand and have everything go beautifully in, in these people's lives. Because ostensibly, when they come into therapy, they're coming to me for help and healing. And so that's what I want to have happen. That's what they want to have happen. And when that doesn't happen, I can generate considerable amount of negative emotions. You know, one of the things I know is that has its origins in my life that go back at least to age three and a half. So I will do the worksheets on that and share the results moving forward. So 563-999-3581, comments, questions, answers, testimonials,
the things that has happened uh, since yesterday is that I got the book, the Audible book, and the uh, Kindle for um, the book. titled A Walk in the Physical and the subtitle is Understanding the Human Experience Within the Larger Context of the Spiritual Within the Larger Spiritual Context It's by Christian Sundberg and one of the things that really strikes me about this is the very solid focus on love loving energy being part of a loving energy system having the most important thing being extending that loving energy to whoever you're with in the moment and that that's what this experience in the physical is truly about And through the course of my time, ever since my college years, it's been messages like that from teachers like that, whether it's books or lectures or psychological training experiences. It's lectures that focus on that, have that as their core observation that have been of most interest to me. And essentially, when we get into that, we have to understand quite quite soon in the process that this is not about an intellectual understanding. It's not about an intellectual learning. The learning that I need to do in this lifetime is not about memorizing and reciting facts. It's not about understanding the quantum nature of physics and the formulas that help me predict outcomes from the random chaos. The learning that's most important for me is going to come from direct experience of my true nature and the true nature of the beings of brilliance and light with whom I am sharing this experience. And everything that I generate in my experience of life, and I use that term very specifically, we generate our experience of life. We aren't sitting here as victims. We are actively creating our perceptions moment to moment. And our hard science tells us this. Our deep spiritual teachings tell us this. It's right there in page five in the way of mastery it's right there in anil seth's videos on youtube about hallucinating perception we are generating our perception in each moment and if i am willing to learn how i'm generating my perception in each moment now i am in possession of a set of tools to help me change any perception I generate that's less than joyful or loving or peaceful or compassionate or courageous 
or civil. And that's where I want to put my energy. That's a very good, very useful expenditure of energy in this lifetime. Not so much studying science. That's not my particular calling this time around. But having deeper and deeper personal experiences that allow me to tap into or stay focused on or choose to focus on the loving, the gentle, the compassionate, the peaceful, the safe, the wide open. I have a feeling I'll be reaching out to Christian because once again in in this book, and he's talked about how he had, you know, what he would call spirit guides or insight, intuition come to him in the writing of this book. He would be getting it like a channeling or a download. And yet in the book, he also talks about the word vulnerability. And I think it's far more accurate and useful to talk about being wide open as opposed to being vulnerable. Because at practically every other layer of the book, he says, who you are can't be hurt. Who you are is limitless. Who you are is the consciousness of life itself. And consciousness can't be hurt. Life itself is ever-expanding, ongoing, completely safe, infinitely creative. That's your true nature. So when they say that on the one hand, and then they talk about being vulnerable on the other hand, I think there's a better way to say that. And of course he talks about everything he's going to be talking about in that book or in that video where he's being interviewed. He says... We want to begin with understanding that we're, we're using words for things that go beyond words. My way of saying it is, it goes beyond words each new heartbeat. There aren't any ways to talk about these things. You know, the Tao Te Ching says, the Tao that can be spoken is not the Tao. It's ancient wisdom that you can't create words. It's like the story from Pierre Pratervand, where he thought he was going to go and... Um, show up this uh, imam because he had this perfect definition for God. And so he asked, you know, the imam, so, imam, what does the Islam say about, you know, the true nature of God? And the imam said, well, Pierre, if you took every branch on every tree as a pen and every drop of water in every creek, pond, lake, river, stream, sea and ocean as ink and you wrote for eternity you would never exhaust the names for God which is just you know a a poetic way of saying you can't talk about this stuff the talking about it is just pointing at it it's not as Krishnamurti would say the word is not the thing the word is not the experience The truth that we're looking for, that we're aching for, is not contained in the words that are being spoken and will never be transmitted with words. 
they will only be transmitted through direct experience, lived experience. And one of the things that I thoroughly enjoy in that reading that book so far is it's it's so clearly relentlessly focused on the message of love and loving and our true nature is safe and whole and how there is nothing to fear which goes right along with the message that Dr. Michael Rice keeps promoting about what Yeshua said I think Michael Rice did some research once about how many times in the New Testament and the, the readings the writings that were attributed or the statements that were attributed attributed to Yeshua, how many times did he say, Fear not, fear not, fear not? And Michael uses that to say, and so this stands against all of the religions that would have you fear God. And that the original language in the ancient Aramaic, the you know, when it would say, you know, fear God, it says fear not, or it says be totally wide open in your experience of yourself and life itself in the presence of that which you would call God or in the present moment. Dale Ellen Hoffman talks about it as that state of shock and awe, that, that, that moment where if you see a loved one in a precarious situation and you and you're spontaneously moved into action to try and save them from an onrushing car or bus or tripping and falling or whatever. In that moment of that total wide open awareness and instant activity, that's the state that was being referred to that the Greeks later translated as fear. And uh, the teachings that have resonated with me more thoroughly over the years move away from using the word fear and move into that those phrases that talk about be completely wide open in the moment. Be aware, be alive, be attuned to the, the truth of life in the present moment. And so that's another message that resonates very strongly with me in the book, uh, A Walk in the Physical. It's about how the message that he's here to give, that he's here to learn at deeper and deeper levels for himself, is that he doesn't need to be afraid. And that doesn't mean that he gets rid of fear. It means his understanding is that he learns to be wide open in the presence of that fear rather than withdraw from it or find ways to distance himself from it. And in the sense that, you know, his understanding might be that he's here to learn or grow or accomplish something, you might say that that would be one of his goals to accomplish is to be able to sit with, to be wide open, to to allow, to immerse himself in the energy that we would call fear. And to just abide in the understanding 
that who he is, his true essence, has nothing to do with fear and has no need for the energy that we would call fear. That it's all an error, that it's all generated from an error, an error in thought, which is the idea that there is no way to harm us as an essence. There is no, that our essence is not tied to the physical. And so the ending of the physical isn't a threat in any way. The idea that I can be harmed is the only thing that gives rise to a thought of being invulnerable or getting stronger. The essence of our nature as pure awareness, as consciousness, as part of the creative flow, has nothing to do with anything that can be chipped, dented, rusted, faded, or broken in any way. So all mental energy related to fear is in error. And that's the kind of thing that I can use as... um, I'll say I can use it as a resource in in moments like yesterday when I was in the middle of that session and my experience of my patient was that my patient was feeling panicked and overwhelmed and everything about me wanted to find a solution. Well, if I can stop and take a breath in that moment and recognize, okay, one of the one of the ways I could formulate words about what I'm feeling is I'm afraid that I won't be able to help this person. So then I could say, all right, so I can conceptualize it as fear. And every time that happens, I resort back to these teachings and I understand there's nothing for me to fear. So if I have a fear that I'm I'm generating that says I'm screwing up or I'm not able to help this person or this person's going to stay stuck because of my inability to help him or her, that is in error. And my next set of breaths, my next focus of my awareness is inside myself. Oh, gee, Tim, how are you generating this fear? Well, the worksheet I did today gave me an insight. Oh, this is resonating back to an energy that I downloaded when I was as young as three years old. Okay, well, that really doesn't have any place in driving my experience of being an adult therapist in a session in 2023. So I can set that aside and I can do my worksheets on it and I can take a breath and get focused back in the room and ask, okay, what's mine to do here? How can I be more present with this person in whatever they're going through in the moment? And that's what I did, and it provided very nice results. It's not a magical cure, but again, the point is not for me to be curing anybody. The point is for me to be more loving and awake and aware in the moment. 
especially when something unlike love comes up as it was doing yesterday. So that's our offering. We've got just a few minutes left before our second hour starts. I will uh, look forward to reporting tomorrow on the follow-up worksheets I I do this evening on the work that I did today. And and I believe Celinda has put her hand up again. So for the last minute, Celinda, is that you? Perhaps that was an errant raising of the hand, Celinda? No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I'm mute challenge. Um, would you be willing to put this whole hour in your mind shifters as an archive. It is. Yes. Yes, I'll be happy yeah. to do that, and it, it, it'll be up either, you know, tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, it hits the bullseye for me. It, it'll, it'll, it'll be on the page that says um, Mind Shifters Radio, February 2023. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome and deserving. Blessings. So I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love and everything else is false. Welcome, Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. Good job. You're welcome and deserving. Have a great show. Thanks. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. And today is Tuesday, February the 7th, 2023. And our calling number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you in the queue to talk to us. We'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And I will invite everybody to go to the website, whyagain.org. And look around, uh, lots of new things going up, lots of new links, and uh, check it out, put put it to work in your life. Let me know if there's anything that's uh, like a URL that's not working or, or something that bounces, and we'll see what we can do to get it fixed. And in the meantime, uh, while we're waiting on Michael to dial in, and let me make sure that he's not having challenges, but... Okay, he is on another call. Hopefully he'll get off here in just a second and dial in. So if you have any questions, please press 1. We'd love to work with you, talk to you, um, see what we can do to assist you or for you to assist us. And we appreciate you being with us every day. So a couple of things that are new on the website, I'm clicking over as we speak, is uh, you'll go to the multimedia, and if you click on more, you'll see the newest things. Also, if, if you're on the website on the home page and scroll all the way down, the most recent, um, it's actually titled, oh gosh, my computer just froze up. It's actually... Uh, it just disappeared. I will have to... There, okay, there it is. It's called Insights, our latest posts. So some of the latest things that we have put up, there's eight 
slots and if you click them they'll immediately go there so like we did the emotions and so there's a whole new page that's just on emotions there's one on marijuana and other anesthetics there's one on alcohol there's the article on rock macuba the wellness to stillness uh, meditation uh, that's a uh, 20 minute meditation tape that uh, Michael walks you through a progressive relaxation and so that's on there for free now so you can click that we've got a purpose page and explaining how to do the purpose worksheets and that some of these come from questions that have been presented to us and so if you have a question or something I can create a page that covers it there's one that says course descriptions and if you click on that it will actually take you to where there are um, 14 different courses that we have done that we usually do live intensives and it lists them and and what is included in that course and so you can click on that and read those descriptors if you click on schedule it will take you to um, the things that are coming up like the heartland possibility and when michael gets on he can give you an update on that and then the mind shifter still point breathing which is coming up this coming saturday if you want to be part of that we've had more people join the self-study the codependence to interdependence there is another link under schedule that tells you how to navigate both the website and the app and the global book club and that will be coming up um, this Thursday day after tomorrow so there's a lot of things happening this week so be part of it welcome Michael thank you dear heart and welcome everybody delighted that you're here we get to play once again apologies for missing you yesterday I uh, we ended up getting a uh, a truckload 16 yards of uh, of soil and mulch for our garden and oh thank God for healing you know when we started this project you'll remember that I shared that I had gotten a massage got in touch with some pretty intense childhood stuff ended up hardly being able to walk for oh, about almost two weeks and uh, so you know we were ready to put the soil on the garden at that point but I couldn't shovel I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't rake I couldn't do any of it thank God for healing because uh, yesterday it, it came and we only had a couple days to get I don't even know how many tons there is here probably gee when we compare it to what we got in that little trailer which was two tons this is probably I don't know I want to go with an old Tennessee Ernie Ford song 16 tons <laughs> but anyway I probably shoveled uh, and wheeled in a small cart that we've got uh, we're covering an area of about 25 by 100 feet so and on a fairly steep hill in two directions so I had to take from the top of the hill down in the cart and, and unload it probably did about maybe three tons yesterday with zero impact on my back so thank you for healing another level of uh, of moving through the uh, the things that need to be moved through and you know for me it's a it's a reminder of the importance of continuing to do your work and the kind of changes that take place in fact there's another good reminder there's a gentleman who contacted me uh, just well, actually contacted Jenny and then we talked and uh, he had touched into the work about 25 years ago in Florida 
was a gentleman in Florida that was a student of ours that he worked with, and and uh, he came to our workshop several times. Never did an intensive, you know. Got a hold of worksheets and started doing his work, and kind of drifted away and came back and drifted away and came back. But but it's over 25 years ago, and uh, he shared with me that in uh, his second marriage he was noticing some of the patterns that were going on in his earlier marriage, and he was realizing and ready that. To do another level of work, so he decided to do register for the uh, self-study codependence to interdependence intensive, and uh, we actually just got his uh, scores back from his personal code evaluation. And I'm sharing this to to speak about the value of long-term work. And I don't know how many people have gone through their personal code evaluations. Probably, I don't know. A thousand or more people and this is the first time I've had someone that's been engaged in the work that long although not really close to it close to it over a time period in the early days but uh, but realizing you need to come back and do some more work but his personal code evaluation scores literally it's not unusual you know the the personal code evaluation we've shared a little bit about it before it's a uh, um, a psychological evaluation uh, based on the MMPI Minnesota multi-phasic personality inventory it's kind of the gold standard of psychological testing and we ferreted out 10 different areas uh, from that evaluation or to perform this evaluation that tells people where their minds are at in in terms of 10 different areas of their lives you know whether their problem is stress management or honoring self honoring others honoring truth fear hostility honoring laws of living nutrition use of will you know each of these areas and you know rather when somebody comes into a workshop rather than saying oh well maybe you should do this or them saying oh I think I need to do that which the mind is the great trickster this pins it right down to here are the arenas in which you have work to do but in you know probably well over a thousand evaluations over the last 40 how oh, probably 43 or 44 years since we started using that evaluation and my observation it's got to be at least it's at least 98% accurate but I've never seen anybody with beginning scores like this gentleman's you know this each of the 10 scales are from 1 to 100 and it's pretty normal for somebody to come to an intensive their first time and their scores in you know two three four five even six areas are in the range of you know 12 to 22 to 34 I mean real crisis stuff and this gentleman having been engaged long term the starting point his lowest score was up in the upper third you know 72 being the upper third several of his scores were there and the rest were higher I've never seen it before so it's kind of a nice confirmation of the fact that healing happens and it's a long-term project you know we're, we're not done at any given point where we'd like to say okay well I'm finished now uh, it is it is a process and you know I, I strongly recognize you know for myself as I shared with that healing crisis I had back just uh, how long ago was that three weeks now four weeks ago I mean two weeks and I was in pretty severe trauma for two weeks and now we're 
from where you know the trauma aspect of it ended we're now a week and a half away from that and i just shoveled i don't know three or four tons of, of soil uh so it just speaks of the healing process and of course that when we step into a healing process the symptoms are going to be there it's not doctor feel good and that's one of the way reasons why a lot of people run away from healing it's because they don't want to feel they don't want to deal with what's in there they'd rather take a pill they'd rather hide it from themselves actually we just put a new video up i watched it this morning i don't know if michael teddy might happen to be listening but he had caught it it was one that was on our old website and got had gotten lost and it was discovered just a couple of weeks ago and michael had watched it i wasn't even aware that it had been found and and put back on our youtube channel and it's an interview with a uh, another physician that i did in springfield missouri back about uh, oh, I think it was maybe 2011, something like that. In any event, uh, I watched that interview this morning. Michael uh, Teddy had some questions on it, and so I watched it this morning. Finally, got caught up, and uh, it was a um, an interview with a fellow named Dr. David Tribus, a physician in Springfield, Missouri, and we were doing a conference there. And uh, it, it just really speaks about, I was, I was kind of delighted to watch it. And it's kind of, some of the things that were, the refined points in were, hmm, I didn't realize I knew that or understood that back that long ago. In any event, uh, it's, a, it's a good watch. If you go to our YouTube channel, it's uh, Dr. Michael Trivis. And uh, it was an interview he did for a conference where we were both speaking at. He was a keynote speaker on one evening of the conference and I on the second evening. So there's, there are always more resources going up and, and coming into place, but uh, recognizing that this uh, process of healing is clearly not always Dr. Feelgood until you get out the other side of it. And then it's just, you know, I mean, literally for a period of two weeks, I, I had difficulty swinging my legs off the bed to stand up. And... Two weeks later, solid as a rock. And so we just open space and are here to offer support and bring forward this process of first century Aramaic forgiveness, which interestingly enough, in all the you know, 50 plus years of research and doing the work that I'm doing, there are only two places on planet Earth that I have found give you exact and specific directions on how to forgive. And that forgiveness isn't about anything to do with what most of churchianity teaches us is that I'm supposed to let you off the hook for what's happening inside of me. You know, basically that's the brainwash virtually everybody has been caught in. And I caution people, never, ever forgive anybody. The person who I invite to the workshop and says, oh, I don't need that. I've already forgiven everybody, my mother, my father, my sister, my brother, my aunts, my uncle, my, my wife, my former wife. I've even forgiven my future wives. When somebody tells me that, I know they've done no forgiveness work yet. Absolutely zero. If you are, and, and when I bring this up to people when they talk about, yeah, well, I forgave them. Oh, oh, well, I really meant. No, you didn't. You said what you meant. Your words always tell you what you mean. 
And if you think you can forgive somebody, if you're still talking about forgiving somebody, if you're still reading books about how you should forgive them, throw it all away and never forgive anybody. But forgive continuously. And when I say never forgive anybody, people say, well, I thought your work was about forgiveness. It is, but it's not about letting other people off the hook. It's about how you go inside yourself. You know, you listen to Yeshua 2,000 years ago. You must forgive from your heart the wrongs of your brother. Heart in that context is a place. It is not a bleeding heart statement. The word forgive meaning remove. You must remove from your heart, from your unconscious. You know, it's just several decades ago that Freud rediscovered the unconscious. It's the whole idea of it's been lost for thousands of years. But if you go back into the scriptures, there were a couple of different words that were used to represent the unconscious. One of them was the heart. Take care of the heart, the unconscious, for out of it are the issues in life. You know, that quote I shared yesterday from Carl Jung, what you refuse to deal with in yourself you will hide within yourself, and then you'll meet it in a thousand disguises with a thousand different people because you'll take what's in your heart, your unconscious, and you'll build a whole structure in your mind that you'll think is about other people because they're pictures of other people, but the pictures are made up of the content of your own mind. So when Yeshua says you must forgive from your heart, he's saying you have to go into your own unconscious and whatever trauma is there that your brother has resonated in you and you've used to build your brain's image of them, you've got to remove it from your heart, which also means from your physiology because that unconscious, every cell in the structure stores information where we store trauma, where we store disintegrative information, we've got disintegrating tissue because literally that energy becomes what we call the chemistry of the cell. And relative to the chemistry of the cell, so-called chemistry, there are two qualities of energy. What builds it up? What tears it down? You put hate, fear, anger, rage, guilt, grief, condemnation, gossip, slander, vengeance, into a cell and you begin the destruction of your own body. And then if you live in denial, you're talking about how it's their fault and you're trying to prove it's them, then through that denial, you'll dissociate with what you need to heal. You'll hide it more deeply. You'll create an even deeper state of unconsciousness and then out of your unconscious will come a picture. And if Bill is the object of your attention right now, you'll have a very solid, very detailed hologram in your mind of how Bill is the problem in your life. But you'll notice that every time Bill or whoever it was, last time it was Harry and before that it was Hortense, you'll notice whoever it was you were blaming, you were the one with the physical pain. When do you stop kidding yourself? That anybody else can cause pain in you. When do you start to stop and go, and I say start, to stop. I mean, begin to stop in the middle of the sentence when you're ready to prove that somebody else is the problem in your life, and the only reason you're in pain is because of them, and if they just change, everything would be fine. Stop in the middle of that sentence and go, ah, this is my mental illness. I'm taking what's going on in my physiology. How do I tell it's going on in my physiology? I'm feeling it in my physiology, and I'm making pictures of other people out of it. It's called mental illness, folks. And just about our whole culture is caught in this mental illness of blame. 
So the only two places that I found the technology for how do you open the veil, what in the ancient teachings was called the veil of the temple. How do you open this barrier between the subconscious and the unconscious mind? Once you've lived in denial, once you've, you think or speak, and this is denial, that somebody outside of you is the cause of what's moving inside of you, once you think that way, you just dissociated from the cause of your pain. You've just hidden it and created this unnatural condition called an unconscious mind. And then out of your unconscious will come a picture of Harry. Ah, Harry's the problem. And Yeshua would say, you must forgive from your unconscious that pained, traumatic energy that you're holding in your cells that's killing your cells and you're using to build your brain's image of Harry. You've got to remove that from your heart, from your unconscious. All of the old causes of pain within the mind have to be owned and forgiven. So when you stop, when you're in the middle of the sentence and you stop and you go, oh, wait a minute. Here I am feeling something I don't want to own. I'm blaming them. Ah, it's time for me to be mid-sentence halt and forgive. Collapse the lie that it's about Harry. Stand in a space of willingness to own it, because after all, you've been through it too many times. And you're watching your physiology deteriorate as you blame everybody else. And your deterioration has nothing to do with aging. People say, well, I'm just getting old. That's it. No, you're not. You're getting deeper into denial. The deeper you go into denial, the deeper your physiology reflects the trauma of what it is that you're refusing to deal with. And there are two places on the planet that show me or have shown me where I have found exact and specific instructions for how to access that unconscious data. One of them is the first century Aramaic words of Yeshua 2,000 years ago. And then, of course, in miracles purportedly written by Yeshua, people go, oh, no, that couldn't happen. Well, whether you think it could or it couldn't, the technology's there exactly as it is in the Aramaic. The exact instructions for how to do it are there. And for me, that's a standard of, I know who wrote this, because nobody else on the planet knows this. Nowhere can you go on planet Earth, at least that I know. Now, there might be somewhere else, there might be somebody else that I haven't discovered. But if you know them, if you know somebody that knows how to forgive, if you've got somebody you think knows how to forgive, I want to hear about it if it's different than this technology, because here's what it'll offer. It doesn't work. The beauty of this technology that was developed 2,000 years ago and reflected in the course is you don't even have to believe it. All you have to do is put the pen to the paper and use it, and your whole unconscious will change, which means your physiology will change, which means the perceptual constructs of your mind will change, which means your relationships will change, your finances will change, your level of joy and aliveness will change, your health will change, your digestion will change, your breathing will change. The function of your brain will change. You don't have to believe a thing. Here, take the worksheet, put the pen and paper, do it for six months, and then come back and tell me. We'll do an evaluation on you now to show you exactly what's going on in your mind. And then six months from now, if you use the tool 
and I hesitate to use the word religiously because sadly, the religions have been the destroyers of forgiveness on planet Earth. Traditionally, historically, they've turned it into pardoning rather than forgiveness. But if you use the tool regularly, six months from now, you won't know you're living in the same world. It just works. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. And when you work it, it's not always Dr. Feelgood. It means you get to feel, you get to deal, you get to work through what maybe your parents or your grandparents or their parents or their parents or theirs before them refused to work through and passed along and you became the inheritor of. You recall in the ancient Aramaic, the Greeks translated this one correctly. Said the sins of the fathers. Now remember, before you get into that Greek idea of sin and get all that garbage that uh, the churchianity's put into it, sin is just an archery term. All it means, it comes from the archery range. If you fired a target and you missed the bullseye, the scorekeeper yelled sin. All it meant is you're off the mark. Take another shot. It was originally meant to be positive feedback. And so... When they said the wages of sin is death, they were telling us exactly how physiology works. That's a physiological fact. I can remember being a kid and being taught, you know, oh, God's going to get you for your sins. You're going to be punished. You're going to die. Man, what a pile of crap. It's got nothing to do with God's going to get you for your sins. If you put an energy that doesn't belong in your physiology then your physiology is going to start to deteriorate. <laughs> the wages of sin is death is not a theological threat. It's just, hey, here's how physiology works, folks. You put an energy in that cell that doesn't belong there, how do you put it in? The major way of putting disintegrative energy into a cell is to allow hostility or fear to enter into your structure. Hostility or fear are indicators that your physiology is using corrupt data to build literally the constructs, the perceptual world that you see. And when hostility or fear is active, you don't need to know anything else to know that your mind is in a 100% lie, whatever it's telling you. And the only thing you have to lose if you don't use it is your life. <laughs> Because energy systems can't die. There's only energy. We are energy. We're not designed to die. We made the process up. We're not designed to suffer. We're not designed to have diseases. Age has nothing to do with what happens with your physiology. However, if over time you do hate and fear and rage and guilt and grief and blame and drama and trauma and gossip and slander and vengeance and condemnation, you play that game. Yeah, your physiology is going to deteriorate. It's going to look like it's aging. You recall the research we've quoted many times from the DeCourcy Clinic in Cincinnati on aging. This goes back, geez, I don't even know, four, four more decades ago that I went to a conference where they presented this. Burn the quote into my brain. Time is not toxic. Time has no effect on human tissue under any conditions. It is the belief in the effect of time by those who subscribe to such a belief that acts as a poison. 
Time has not changed your physiology one scintilla since your birth, since your conception. Time has done nothing. But the unfolding of hate and rage and guilt and grief kills people. And if you think by pretending that when you're feeling hate, it's not yours, when you're feeling anger that it's somebody else's, you know, if you've stood over somebody and raged, you made me so mad. You just add another level of deterioration to your own cellular structure. Are you mad again? Then wake up and be responsible for your mad mind. Get rid of the impact, the deterioration that it's causing in your structure and regain your health. It's the whole core of the message from this man, Yeshua, 2,000 years ago. At one point when half of his disciples were told what they had to do, they turned away, whining, moaning, complaining, and they left and they never came back. And their moan was, quote, too hard a saying. It's a tough one. It's a tough one to face everything that's in you and that's ever been unresolved in your bloodline. It's a tough one to escape from the power person dynamics. When you're in a state of upset, and you're blasting somebody else, just stop and remember how it felt when your power person blasted you like that. And then start recognizing why that other person is doing what they're doing because it feels that way to them most likely too. And so the beauty of it is we come together with matching bags of garbage in order to heal. Some people heal, and some people blame and deteriorate and die. But we're not made for death. So they're my thoughts for this morning or this afternoon. I guess it's afternoon already. You see, we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anybody in the chat room with a thought for us. No to both of those. Um, so if someone presses one, you're first in line without waiting. We'd love to hear from you. We have 33 minutes. So we've got plenty of time. And I just checked emails, and um, there are no questions from emails. did get a comment from somebody for us to check on the website that the pictures of the Kaboras from picture 51 to 100 will not download as high res or, or won't open as high res. So I'll have to get Susan to check on that well, from her end. They're not, they're not high-res pictures. So well, none apparently of them are they got all pictures. the others to open up, but those would not. So I don't know. Anyway. Well, the others must have opened up as regular resolution because we don't have any high-res pictures on it. At least that's my understanding. Yeah. We just had a hand go up. Awesome. Let's say hello. Okay, I believe it's Miss Linda, and I don't think it's left over from Dr. Tim's show. Five four one, welcome, lady. Welcome, and you? How are you doing this fine day? I'm well, young lady. How are you? I, I, I did you get my message yesterday? 
Yes, I certainly did. I oh, just didn't have good. a chance to respond to it yet because I, sure, I understand. I was going to call you anyway. <laughs> um, well, we're here holding the space. You're in our minds and hearts, as is Larry. Yes, thank you. I shared your message with Larry. We really appreciate it. Um, Jeannie, you may have done that, put that quote in about time before, but would it be possible to put that quote in the notes today, the link to the quote? Yes, and I actually created a, a page for it, so that I will put that in there. Perfect, because I think I'm really ready to um, write that down as a mind shifter or something. <laughs> you ready to I use love it? All right. Well, I, I keep procrastinating, and I keep, um, and I don't think it is procrastinating. I think I'm being told to wait. <clears throat> until exactly this moment when I get the urge to send something to my brothers who are, are traditional Christians, um, not because I want to convince them or convert them or anything else, but because between Dr. Um, Dr. Tim's show where he nailed both of my feet and my paws to the ground, and and your and your what yeah, right. I mean, he just well, Larry's been trying to tell me for thirty some years that I'm too much in my head, but you know we have different ways of languaging, and intimacy tends to breed <laughs> contempt and all of that nice stuff. That no, we no, intimacy doesn't breed physical. contempt. <clears throat> no, 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 no. Intimacy yeah. contempt breeds contempt. Right, exactly, but I was using the quote of, you know, how the world would say it. And I agree with right. you, and thank you for putting that in. I appreciate that. A little correction there. Um, anyway, the that contempt that breeds contempt, um, I couldn't hear his languaging because we language yeah. very differently, of course. We're different people, and the meanings of those words are different, so we interpret them differently. But, boy, I really appreciate both of your lessons, because yours, again, amplified from your perspective what Dr. Tim was speaking about, it seemed to me. And so cool. I really appreciate that. And um, continue on, dear heart. <laughs> That's the plan. That's where we'd be heading. Okay. Keep be heading there. <laughs> And abide doing in it. that beheading process. <laughs> okay. Bless you guys. You know, we, and love you talk you. about. No, I don't love yeah. you. I am expressing my love within myself to you both. <laughs> well, I'll be loving your presence too, young lady. Okay. One of the things you you mentioned there was, you know, the idea of converting someone that you didn't want to convert right. them. My offering right. is that I think it's very appropriate for a person to offer or to support conversion of others. And conversion, the conversion I'm talking about, is not converting somebody into somebody's church, but rather right. we all started out with a mind connected to and based in love. The specialty of our world today is to knock that mind out of us and convert us to an hostility and fear-based mind. 
a blame-based right. mind, a guilt-based mind. And so I am blatantly out there working to convert every mind, heart, and being on the planet back to a love-based function. Nothing to do with churchianity or churches or anything to join or anything else. It's just to give people the tools to be converted back to the mind they started with, the mind we're designed to work with. And so I you know, unabashedly offer that as real conversion. And in order for all of the suffering that's going on in the world, whether it's personal, interpersonal, you know, starvation, whatever it is, in order for that to all end, all I need to do is get back to functioning as who we are. Yes, and uh, convert, obviously, in my mind, has the the interpretation of somebody pressing on you to be something you are not. Yeah, well, this one is about pressing on each person to help them to realize that they're not being who they are, they're being who they are not, and, and to get back to who they are. So, but anyway, that's know, the process. Yeah. Well, so, and so how, we just how do keep we know? doing our worksheets to find out whether we are actually in... Um, not allowing them to be who they are and have their own process and their own uh, way of returning home. I mean, when do we finish share? When do we go a step over the line of sharing to the line of I'm right, you're wrong? Well, I guess it would have to do with your language and your thoughts. If your thoughts are just something wrong with you because, then, you know, that would be a good thing to own and probably forgive. But if I if you come from a space of I see you, I know who you really are, and I'm here holding a space for it, and I invite you to hold the same space for me, then we get to join rather than having to have anything to do with that other process you're talking about. And the conversion actually comes from spirit in the heart of the other person absolutely either willing or unwilling it's not about us doing it at all yeah well there's that old saying that you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink but you can make them thirsty by demonstrating what it is to live truly as a human being that's to me that's the number one way of doing it that you know when people notice hmm you mean I don't have to be in misery and pain and suffering and illness and I don't have to live there? Wow. That's a great demonstration. It's my life, mm-hmm. not my words. It's my yep. um, uh, my heart energy, not my words and languaging and doctrines and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That okay. would be my, my uh, take on it. I'm with you. So there's the triune being. There's the triune being right there, Rahma in um, the mind, and then um, Ruha in the heart, who does the converting and the guiding and the um, nurturing and all of that. And then here I am as the Christ child going forth to express that life fountain flowing through me. 
You got my support. Okay, but I got to remember what right. Dr. Tim says. Would you get out of your brain? I'll talk to you later. Love you both. All right. Blessings. Take care. (laughs) Definitely to heal, you've got to be out of your mind. The secrets are not hidden in the mind. They are hidden by the mind. And when we leave it behind, that's when we get to step into being. And then you restore it. You know, it's meant to be your footstool. It's meant to be used by you. It's a tool. Restore it to its proper place and rock and roll. So, Miss Jeannie, what you got, sweetie? It is all quiet. Nothing. Nobody. Well, there's a fun lesson in The Course of Miracles that I opened recently, and uh, it it, it gives a description to a pretty precise one, and to me it's somewhat humorous, on what a mind that lives without forgiveness looks like. So this is Lesson 121 in Course in Miracles. Forgiveness is the key to happiness, the unforgiving mind. And so here's what it offers. Here's the answer to your search for peace. Here's the key to meaning in a world that seems to make no sense. Here's the way to safety and apparent dangers that appear to threaten you at every turn and bring uncertainty to all your hopes of ever finding quietness and peace. Here are all questions answered, and here the end of all uncertainty is ensured at last. The unforgiving mind is full of fear. It offers love no room to be itself, no place where it can spread its wings in peace and soar above the turmoil of the world. The unforgiving mind is sad without the hope of respite and release from pain. It suffers and abides in misery, peering about in darkness, seeing not yet certain of the dangers lurking there. The unforgiving mind is torn with doubt, confused about itself and all it sees, afraid and angry, weak and blustering, Afraid to go ahead, afraid to stay, afraid to waken or to go to sleep. Afraid of every sound, yet more afraid of stillness. Terrified of darkness, yet more terrified at the approach of light. And of course, the reason that can be said with confidence is because no one has ever been bothered by light or darkness or sleep. or uh, The only thing that's ever bothered us is the content of our minds. Can the unforgiving mind perceive but its damnation? What can it behold except proof that all its sins are real? The unforgiving mind sees no mistakes but only sins. It looks upon a world with sightless eyes and shrieks as it beholds its own projections rising to attack its miserable parody of life. You know, that line may seem to be a conflict. It looks upon a world... With sightless eyes. Well, how how could you look at what the brain generates, the constructs, the realities the brain generates are reflections of the content of the brain. Those pictures 
that we see, that we think we see through our eyes, do not come from our eyes. They come from our brain, and they are not pictures about of what's outside of us. They're pictures of internal conditions. So that's what the Course here means when it says sightless eyes. And then, not realizing it, what does it do? Its own projections rise to attack it. What it refuses to deal with in itself, what it does its best to convince everybody else it's their fault, is what creates attack upon itself. The unforgiving mind wants to live, yet wishes it were dead. It wants, wants forgiveness, yet sees no hope. It wants escape, yet can conceive of none because it sees the sinful everywhere. The unforgiving mind is in despair. Without the prospect of a future, we can offer anything but more despair. Yet it regards the ju its judgment of the world as irreversible and does not see that it has condemned itself to this despair. If, if you're recognizing any of this, then be aware that this is the kind of stuff that you're going to have to face as you actually engage in forgiveness. You're going to have to feel those things. You're going to have to deal with those things. And you're going to have to learn the skill of throwing them out of your mind. The unforgiving mind thinks it cannot change for what it sees, bear, quote, unquote, we put that word sees in quotes, bears witness to his, that his judgment is correct does not ask because it thinks it knows. It does not question certain it is right. Forgiveness is acquired. It is not inherent in the mind which cannot sin. As sin is an idea you taught yourself, forgiveness must be learned by you as well but from a teacher other than yourself. The chances of someone reaching outside of the circles of their own projections, which have been reinforced and been going on for generations and generations and generations and generations in one's bloodline and in the culture for centuries and centuries, the chance of that one escaping on its own, slim. So forgiveness must be learned by you as well, but from a teacher other than yourself who represents the other self in you. Through that teacher, you learn how to forgive the self you think you made. Remember the word forgive means remove. You remove the self, the lowercase self you think you made, and just let it disappear. Now, when people are identified with that false self, you remember Yeshua 2,000 years ago said, in order for you to live, you've got to die. If you're identifying out of a false fear and hostility-based self, then that self is going to have to go, and it's going to be experienced as a real death when you let it disappear. So then you return your mind to him who is your capitalist self, who can never sin, cannot engage in energies that are off the mark. 
Each unforgiving mind presents you with an opportunity to teach your own mind how to forgive itself, how to remove literally its self, its non-being self. Each one awaits release from hell through you and turns to you imploringly for heaven here and now. The unforgiving mind has no hope, but you then become its hope. And as its hope, do you become your own. The unforgiving mind will learn through your forgiveness that it has been saved from hell. In other words, if, if you know, in our, in our culture, we're all brainwashed to see ourselves and each other in a certain way. And when I can unhook from the self I think is you, and I can then support you unhooking from the self you think is you. And I can only do that as I unhook myself from the self that I thought I was, the self based in hostility or fear. So as you learn this process, and as you teach this process of release, then you'll learn it. I love Richard Bach's statement in his book, Illusions. If you haven't read that book, it's a great book to, to read. One of the things he says is, we teach best that which we most need to learn. And all your teaching and all your learning will be not of you, but of the teacher who was given you to show you the way to you. In other words, that guide within that Selinda was talking about. In the Aramaic Ruka Zikutsha, that feminine elemental force in you that will never violate your free will, but when you ask for support and guidance, will, one, by definition, out of the Aramaic, undo the effects of your errors, and two, teach you the truth. The only restriction on the speed at which that happens is one's own resistance. One's own fight against it in the insistence that the problem must be outside of it. And there we circle back to, once again, the unforgiving mind. So this lesson goes on and says, today we practice learning to forgive. If you are willing, you can learn today to take the key to happiness and use it on your own behalf. We'll devote 10 minutes in the morning and at night another 10 and learning how to give forgiveness and receive forgiveness too. The unforgiving mind does not believe that giving and receiving are the same. Yet we will try to learn today that they are one through practicing forgiveness toward one whom you think of as an enemy and one you consider a friend. So it's asking you to pick out two different people in your life, one that you consider close, a friend, and someone that you consider on some level an enemy. As you learn to see them both at once, as, pardon me, as one, we will extend the lesson to yourself and see that their escape, i.e. their escape from your projections, is your own escape as well from those projections. Begin the longer practice periods by thinking of someone you do not like who seems to irritate you or cause regret in you if you should meet him. When you actively despise or merely try to overlook, doesn't matter what form your anger takes, 
You've probably chosen that person already. That's the one you want to do this work with. Close your eyes and see that person in your mind. Look at them a while. Work to perceive some light in them somewhere. A little gleam which perhaps you've never noticed. To find some little spark of brightness shining through the ugly picture, the whole of him. Look at this picture till you see a light somewhere within. And then allow this light to extend until it covers him or her. And makes the picture beautiful and good. And that glimmer of light might be imagining holding that person as a newborn. Tapping into the truth of who they are, which is the equivalent of tapping into the truth of who you are. Now look at this change perception for a while and turn your mind to one you call a friend. Transfer the light you learned to see around this former enemy to this friend. Perceive him or her now as more than friend to you. For in that light, his holiness shows you your Savior, saved and saving, healed and whole. If we could but stand in the space where we see the truth of ourselves or another human being, everything will be transformed. Then, next set of instructions in this exercise, is let him offer you the light you see in him and let the former quote-unquote enemy and friend unite in blessing you with what you gave. So perhaps in looking at that person that you called the cause of your upset, perhaps the only light you could see in them was holding them as a newborn and recognizing who they are. So you've given that gift. And now, allow that to be given back to you by these two who are now joined in that light. Now are you one with them, and they with you. Now have you removed that trauma from yourself, forgiven by yourself, trauma removed? Remember throughout the day, the role forgiveness brings in bringing happiness to every unforgiving mind, and yours among them. Every hour, tell yourself, Forgiveness is the key to happiness. I will awaken from the dream that I am mortal, fallible, full of error, and know that I am the perfect reflection, the son or daughter, the offspring of the Creator.
powerful lesson, powerful look at what a mind can do when it's stuck in unforgiveness. So breathing with everyone. And Ms. Jeannie, it looks like we've got about seven or eight minutes left, so time for another call. Do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anybody in the chat room with a message for us? No, it is all quiet. Somebody press one. We do have six minutes. Let's go for it. If you're on one of those stations where we can't see you, our call-in number is 563-999-3581. Call that number. You'll be listening to the show directly, and then push one. We'll be having a conversation. If no hands are going up, maybe use the next few minutes to tell people what's coming up. Of course, Thursday is the book club, and Saturday is the Mind Shifter Still Point Breathing. But then, right. uh, uh, have you heard anything? Is it uh, confirmed on the summer? I still haven't heard from um, from him yet, no, Mark. So he was actually supposed to call us Sunday, but I hadn't heard from him. So I assume they're still organizing. They've got a group that's coming from all over the world as far away as New Zealand to the conference that they're looking at putting on at Heartland. So I guess their communication has been a little ruffled. However, what have we got going on? Of course, every day we've got this radio show on uh, Thursday from, or pardon me, at 3.30 Eastern Time, 8.30 in London, England. We'll be doing the uh, Hear My Voice book club live, and I'm sure Jeannie's got a link in the notes, or you can go to whyagain, whyagain.org and look under events, and you'll see a Zoom link to that Zoom call. You're certainly welcome to join us. If you have missed any of the uh, Hear My Voice book club meetings, you can go to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and uh type in Michael Rice, R-Y-C-E, you'll find all of our videos there. And, and or you can go to our website, whyagain.org, and you'll see over on the right-hand side the social media links. Just click the YouTube channel and you'll be there. Subscribe to it. If you watch something, we'd appreciate it if you'd hit a like on it. We're looking to uh, grow that uh, YouTube channel. It's not something, you know, we've just put videos out there kind of willy-nilly over the years because we've been so consumed with uh, with being on the road and then transitioning here to Bristol. However, uh, what we're working to do now is to hopefully get it to a level of function, a YouTube channel where YouTube will actually support us, will actually pay for our content. So, And what that takes is people watching the videos and clicking a like. So, you know, there are, I don't know, somewhere around 100 or so videos at this point. And, uh, you know, if there's one in particular that you've watched that you like, please grab it and send a link so somebody else gets to watch and click a like on it, make a comment on it. And by doing so, you'll be assisting us to getting to the point where we can monetize our YouTube channel, which with not being on the road would really help with the cash flow that it takes to keep Heartland going and keep the taxes paid and the maintenance done and the electric bill taken care of and all the neat stuff that goes along with that. 
If anyone wants to drop over this afternoon and help me shovel soil, that's what I'm going to be doing. We've got another several tons to move. So come on over and grab a shovel. Beyond that, uh, we're looking at uh, the conference that we've had an inquiry about that has not yet confirmed is going to happen sometime in the first week or 10 days of August. So we're going to back up over that and probably do a nine-day Why Is This Happening to Me Again and a 16-day Food Fund Forgiveness and Work Program. We can't settle the dates until we get the dates on this other conference set. So, But as soon as we do, we'll be letting you know. And if you're interested, you can drop Jeannie. You can, if you have my phone number, you can call me or text me. And I'll call you back and or drop a note to Jeannie, J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org, Jeannie at whyagain.org. Drop her a note with your phone number saying that you're interested in participating. And I'll make sure that you keep our kept posted on the dates and how it all comes together and uh, arrange for you to come and join us if you're interested in doing that. And so we appreciate your participation and being part of the process. And invite somebody to join us. If there's a particular show that you are have enjoyed, then go to our page, whyagain.org. There's a microphone in the middle of the page. Click the microphone. And with that, you can drill down into the uh, specific radio shows, like, you know, in a few minutes, today's show will be ready. You can just grab a link to it and send it to somebody or download it to listen to on your computer or your phone or what have you. So lots of ways to listen, and we'd appreciate anything you can do to share it and extend it out there to the world. And or if you're benefiting from this work, if you're in a position and you'd like to support us, that would also be much appreciated. And you can do that by just going to our website, again, whyagain.org. And you'll see a donate button down toward the bottom. Click it. Offer some support. In the meantime, have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Thanks for joining us. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pache, as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mind Shifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www. Dot whyagain.org. dot